Good morning. This is the DOLW3 Podcast 3. Uh, and today I'm going to be reading from The Rite of Sodomy, Homosexuality, and the Roman Catholic Church. I've been reading from Volume 4, The Homosexual Network in the American Hierarchy and Religious Orders, in the books written by Randy Ingalls. And today, um, my colleagues have been reading, and so we're up to page 810. I'm going to read about Bishop Todd Brown. Todd D. Brown, a classmate of Roger Mahoney, Williams, Nevada, and Justin Francis Regali at St. John's Seminary in Camarillo, was part of the original Gang of Four. After St. John's Seminary, he attended Ryan Seminary in Fresno and later went to Rome to study at the Northern College and the Greg in Rome. He was ordained to the priesthood on May 1, 1963, for the Diocese of Monterey, and immediately began his career at the Chancery, where he served on a number of key posts, including Chancellor and Vicar General. Three years after Archbishop Mahoney was installed in Los Angeles, Brown was ordained Bishop of Boise, Idaho, by Archbishop William Levada. When the Diocese of Orange, California opened up in the fall of 1998 with the retirement of Bishop Norman McFarlane, Mahoney secured the diocese for his longtime friend. I'm going to digress here. You know, I think we needed to consider here what we're talking about. Um, you know, bishops having friends, patting each other on the back, um, priests who they liked, you know, patting them on the back. But we're discussing sin, and we're discussing souls, the lost souls, the souls who have been victimized. Um, and this is why we're, we're fighting for this, this and this change. Change uh, in our church. This is what we speak about. This is why we want our voices heard. We do not believe that this has gone away in the church. We do, we do believe it is rooted in the system, and it is not gone since Brown was installed as the third bishop of Orange, the diocese has become more or less an extension of Cardinal Mahoney's clerical empire. The Diocese of Orange exhibits the same pro-homosexual pederast pathologies that dominate the Diocese of Los Angeles, San Francisco, Santa Rosa, and most, if not all, Roman Catholic dioceses in California. While he was Bishop of Boise in the fall state election of 1994, Brown opposed ballot measure Proposition 1, which prohibited the inclusion of specifically homosexual protection acts into Idaho law. Brown said he was against Proposition 1 because it would contribute to attitudes of intolerance and hostility in Idaho directed at homosexual citizens and was potentially discriminatory. I wonder, I'm digressing again, I wonder, um, did they consider um, the rights of the victims and their families uh, of these predator priests? Were they concerned with that? Um, the sins committed against these little souls, these young souls, these young men, and, and their families, and what it did to their souls, and what it did, hopefully, hopefully they have gotten help, and, um, and, and trust in God. 
Okay, I will continue on here. While, let's see, uh, sorry about that. In February 2000, during California's heated debate on Proposition 22 that banned homosexual marriage, Brown publicized two articles on the measure by Gerald D. Coleman, rector of St. Patrick's Seminary in in citation at Citian 22, he nevertheless argued some homosexual persons have shown that it is possible to enter into long-term committed and loving relationships, sometimes referred to as domestic partnerships. On the open dialogue are among the best ways to prevent inappropriate sexual behavior. This is an interesting comment as St. Patrick's Cemetery our seminary has the reputation of being another pink palace. Although Bishop Brown has not been moved by diocesan priests living openly as homosexual clerics and flouting their vows of chastity, he has been moved by the high cost of homosexual pedestrian in the Diocese of Orange. In August 2001, Cardinal Mahoney and Bishop Brown agreed to pay $5.2 million to settle a sex abuse lawsuit against Monsignor Michael Harris, the former principal of Santa Margarita Catholic High School from 1987 to 1994. Harris dubbed Mr. Hollywood. Because of his good looks, he alleged to have molested at least five teenage boys who came to him for spiritual counseling. Harris was removed from the active priesthood in 1994 and laicized in 2001. So I'm going to digress here. So $5.2 million in a settlement that, that lasted over those many years there, 1987 to 1994. So, okay, so we, you know, we, we pay off, you know, the, the Catholic Church, however it comes up with $5.2 million, pays off, um, these families, these people that have done this to these families. But how do you pay off a soul? How do you, you know, how do you get um, a soul recovered that's gone through that kind of, um, that kind of rape, that kind of torture, that kind of pain, um, you know, spiritual pain? So... I'm speaking from that because myself, uh, I was I was raised in an alcoholic family, and um, I see how long it took me to recover and to gain confidence again in myself. I can only imagine, um, especially with it being spiritual and and attacking the faith, what what and how long and if these people ever recover. On December 3, 2004, Bishop Brown announced that the Diocese of Orange had reached an undisclosed settlement with 87 plaintiffs who had been sexually abused by 30 diocesan priests and about a dozen church employees. The amount is believed to exceed the $85 million record payment by an American diocese. The next section is Bishop Daniel Ryan, Diocese of Springfield, Illinois. The case against Bishop Daniel Leo Ryan is one of the best documented homosexual scandals involving a bishop 
of the American hierarchy, Roman Catholic faithful, has produced volumes of testimony, including eyewitness accounts that expose Ryan as a predatory homosexual prelate and a corrupter of priests in his care. Nevertheless, Bishop Ryan is still officially listed on Bishop Emeritus of the Springfield Diocese. On March 19, 2002, at the Cathedral of St. Raymond in Jolet, Illinois, on the occasion of the ordination of James E. Fitzgerald as an auxiliary of Jolet and in the presence of Francis Cardinal, George of Chicago, and dozens of fellow bishops, the disgraced Ryan acted as a co-conservator, co-consecrator, co-consecrator, with the protector, Joseph Emish, Bishop of Jolay as principal consecrator. The The event was witnessed by 80 deacons, 160 priests, and nearly 30 bishops with a Knights of Columbus honor guard and hundreds of parishioners. Ironically, Bishop Emick's homily included an impromptu prayer for the victims of clerical sexual abuse. How ironic, huh? No incident recounted in this chapter better illustrates the need for a top-to-bottom housecleaning of AM Church than Ryan's official role at the Fitzgerald ordination. Bishop Ryan's climb up the ecclesiastical ladder is a tribute to the power of homosex in opening doors to the corridors of power within the AM Church. And I'm going to stop here uh, on page 811. And I want to talk a little bit about um, Oscar Romero, St. Oscar Romero. He was a bishop um, in El Salvador. He is one of my favorite um, saints to read about. You know, he he did so much during his time um, as bishop, um, you know, facing uh, all the war and the poor and and how the the church and the priests needed to band together and uh, make changes. But this is this here is a book. Um, it's it's called The Violence of Love by Oscar Romero. And you know our saints are with us today and uh, in their writings. And um, we can we can get so much from our saints and things they did and how they behaved. So I'm just going to take you to one one uh, one of the little passages here. This is just a book of his writings, um, of daily writings, uh, like a journal that he kept. So here's one here. There aren't two categories of people. There aren't some that were born to have everything, leave the rest with nothing, and a majority that has nothing and cannot taste the happiness that God has created for all. The Christian society that God wants is one in which we share the goodness that God has given for everyone. Okay, and then that was written on December 16th, 1979. And I'm going to take you to a second one. Um, This was written on February 18th, 1979. To try to preach without referring to the history one preaches in is not to preach the gospel. Many would like a preaching so spiritualized that it leaves sinners unbothered and does not term idolaters those who kneel before money and power. 
a preaching that says nothing about the sinful environment in which the gospel is reflected upon is not a gospel. When I read this, I thought about the priests, the bishops, the cover-ups, those who are silent, the people around these these acts that are going on, um, and, and they knew what was going on, and they did nothing, and they said nothing. And this is what we can see in our church today. Um, we have to be careful that we're, that we're looking at truth. You know, we get up, you know, they get up. So when a priest gets up to the, to the, to the uh, ambo and he, and he preaches, and he's talking about a gospel, and I'm talking about these bishops and these priests here who have committed these crimes, um, these horrendous crimes against souls that they're shepherding, um, and we don't call them out, you know, we become part of that crime. We, we become part of the pain that that soul is suffering. So I, you know, I just thought this was an important thing um, from Oscar Romero. And then there's one more here. A prophetic people, as today's gospel says, seeks out those who are wrong so as to win them for God. And I want to digress here just real quick so I don't forget my thought. But, um, you know, to me what he's saying right there is we have bishops and priests that are sinning like this and getting up and, and preaching the gospel. And they, and you know, and then they walk away and they go do their, their sexual things that they're doing and they're um, instructing young people, um, especially vulnerable young people, because that's usually who they get is the vulnerable, the ones maybe who coming from a, a home you know, such as mine, could have been coming from an alcoholic home, could have been coming, you know, and seeking direction, and their little souls are, are caught up in all of that. So, you know, I'm going to read that again. A prophetic people, as today gospel says, seeks out those who are wrong, so as to win them for God. We're, you know, we're trying to, you know, hey, bishops, hey, priests that are doing this, we are seeking you out here. We want change. We want deep-rooted change. We want sincere change. Um, and we're going we're gonna to keep doing this until we see change at the bottom going up. Okay. So in a prophet who speaks of the punishment, the, the, uh, the punishment due, the neg negligent centennial also praises the mercy of the God who calls. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, especially those of you who hate me, you dear brothers and sisters who think I am preaching violence, who defame me and know it isn't true, you that have ha hands stained with murder, with torture, with atrocity, with injustice. So I call you bishops and uh, priests who condone homosexual activity and behaviors um, in their work, in their secret lives, it's a sin. It's a sin to go before God, to be an ordained priest, to commit these kind of sins, and then to take souls down with you. Um, and then seek special uh, permissions in the church and special seats and, and go up the ladder um, 
I think you really need to listen to this in Oscar Romero. You that have stained hands with murder, with torture, with atrocity, with injustice. We want change. We want a robust church. Um, and we want justice served. Okay, I have a short prayer here, and I want to say, Dear Lord, dear Holy Spirit, descend upon us. Guide us as we continue to do these podcasts, as we continue as laity to stand up and to witness to truth, that we are not led by falsehood, that we are only led by your truth, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.